0: This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is I Will Make You a Millionaire, another episode helping someone reach their goal of making millions. You know, what if a uh, third wave shuts things down again?
1: Yeah, no, I mean... uh it's a, it's the restaurant that I was going to go to before the pandemic. They reached out to me. Where is it? It's on seventh and Bleecker. Great. That's a great yeah.
0: area for restaurants.
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, they're doing really well. The chef's awesome.
0: That the West village really is like, it's a good, not only is it like a good hip area, but it's a family area. So you're getting like all sorts for restaurants. There's a lot of great restaurants right there.
1: Yeah. It was really interesting. Uh, it's like. Some business, some family, some younger people. It's like a really nice mix of people. I was really excited about it before the pandemic.
0: Now, uh, what are you thinking?
1: I don't know. I, I want to go to New York anyway, now that I'm vaccinated and everything. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been in over a year, which feels like forever. Yeah. And this guy, Stephen, who's the owner there, he's like, yeah, man, New York's back. Like, it's amazing. All these outdoor spaces. So... We'll see if he's just trying to recruit me
0: I mean now it's gonna be a great time for New York because the outdoor spaces are really opening up. I wonder if in the winter if they were able to keep up the outdoor stuff.
1: Well so what he did was he got a bunch of like igloos, I guess. So heated areas. Yeah. Um that were outdoors and like individualized. So sounds like I mean he's saying that they're up from where they were before the pandemic at this point.
0: I, would, you know, here's the good thing for the restaurants that survived is that they got so much stimulus money. If they properly, if they did the right thing, you know, in terms of managing costs and renegotiating leases and, and at the very beginning, and then they got all the stimulus checks, right. uh, they, they probably, he probably has more cash in the bank now than he ever had before.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I think the, the landlord was, was kind to him too. Basically
0: according to the IRS, the average multimillionaire has seven different streams of income. Wow. So it's interesting to think in those terms, you know, how you make each thing a stream as opposed to this is what I do, this one thing. Right. And even being an entrepreneur is just one stream of income. So that's, yeah, you got to be careful even as an
1: entrepreneur. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I'm in a good position right now where I can say, you know what? I don't want to be working 75 hours a week. If you're looking for somebody like that, then that's probably not me right now. Yeah. But I don't think they are, you know, it's hard. I mean, it really is hard to find people. So, you know, I'm hoping that I can do the 45 hours with this and then have time to do all the other things I want to do.
0: Well, it also sounds like on the job, like if you're a GM of a restaurant, then on the job itself, you could start testing out some of these ideas like, Oh. At least manually, you know, not, not necessarily with software, but like manually connecting the order system with the reservation system. So even if you could take like, find like five or six cases or five to 10 cases where, because you understood a a guest's prior orders, you were able to arrange a way to boost the amount they spend per visit.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then you show five to 10 cases and then you build the software that links. Now you have a business.
1: Right. And, you know, it was something that I was doing a little bit before when I was the GM previously, but I had never te- like truly tested it, you know?
0: Yeah. And it would be good to show examples where it works and examples where it didn't and what you learn from both, because if you just show like 10 examples that work and you're pitching, you know, a uh, venture capital, or whatever, they're going to know there's examples that don't work and they're going to want to know about those as well.
1: Right. And then also the more I've been thinking about it, the list of servers and restaurant people, there's something there too. My network seems valuable right now in terms of like everybody's looking for good employees. And I keep hearing like they're hiring people that don't work out after a week, which the frequency that that's happening is really astounding.
0: Let's focus on this for a second. How hard would it be to email, you know, start off with like 20 people, you know, in the restaurant business and say, Hey, I'm picking an exclusive list of people I trust in the restaurant business who may or may not be looking for a job. And then I'm also having a list of people who are hiring in the restaurant business. If you're interested, send me a note and I'll put you on my list. And if you like this idea where I'm going to help you find opportunities where that you might not otherwise find, send this to your friends. And they'll also, I'll also put them on the list, like, you know, pay it forward. Not hard. I mean, would it be would it be in their incentive to send you to more people who are potentially gonna compete with them for jobs? That's the tricky part.
1: I don't think people would have a problem with that at all. I think maybe actually like getting people to actually do it might be tough, but the idea behind it.
0: Getting people to do what, to say yes or?
1: No, to say like for themselves, maybe it's one thing. And I, like, I have a personal connection but for them to actually like go sit on their computer, send an email or a text message to one of their friends.
0: Well, what they can do is your initial letter kind of describes the bullet points of your letter, maybe has some testimonials of, you know, what a great person you are and how knowledgeable you are in the restaurant industry. And you could say, if you think this will be valuable for the restaurant industry in Atlanta, and you think this will be valuable for your friend, you know, your close friends, you know, I'm you say I'm writing to you because I trust your opinion of the restaurant industry. Um, Please forward this to your friends who are also valuable. So we can make this, you know, a valuable community. The more people who are interested in this, the more restaurant owners will want to sign up, show me job opportunities. That'll be good for all of you guys. And then they would just forward to all their friends. Like it would just be basically a forward and add a bunch of names on it.
1: I think like in theory, nobody would have a problem with it. It's just like getting people to actually do it. Even with a good letter, it's hard to get servers to do stuff outside of work. It's hard to get them to do stuff at work think the right way to look at it is the better quality this list is, the more effective it'll be for everybody on it. Yeah, if it's not big enough, then it's not effective. We need to grow it, but like still having me be the gatekeeper of it, where it's like, no, I have worked with you. You can't, you know, like I, you're not. It's not the quality we're looking for on this list. And a lot of people have good resumes where they worked at five or six amazing restaurants, but then you look at it and it's all been in the last two years. Like you've just jumped from. Yeah. They're good restaurants, but that's not a good employee.
0: Maybe we could try even just sending it to like you, you make a letter, you word it right. And then you could use something like there's a site, substack.com, which keeps track of email lists and newsletters. So you could kind of get the skill set to, it's a very, within three minutes, you could set up an email list slash newsletter and that's what people would be essentially subscribing to. That's what people would be forwarding around. Let's even try with just 10 people and see, how many signups you get? I mean, in an ideal world, you send it to ten people. You would hope for a hundred signups. So yeah. the ten, and maybe you know some, you know some of their friends and some of their friends' friends, and so on. And we can see what happens. And if it doesn't work, we could try another experiment, sending to another letter to another ten people, try different wordings, and and just to see if the idea makes sense. Or maybe there's right. other, there's other things we can you can offer on the list other than just employment opportunities. Maybe there's other things and news interested and relevant in the Atlanta restaurant industry. Like, oh, a new restaurant's opening up in a year. They started building now. Here's how to get, here's the owners. Here's uh, how to get in touch with them uh, and and so on, stuff like that. Right. So you can offer like a bunch of benefits to signing up for the, the list and you're giving them status by saying, hey, you're a part of an ex, you know, somehow suggesting that they're part of an exclusive group that you've picked for this list. Yeah. And then the other side is the restaurant owners, but the restaurant owners are not as important because you could keep in touch with the restaurant owners somehow, or you could look for job posting, you know, I don't know. The restaurant owners would be good too, a list for them, but there's other ways to get information about the restaurant owners, but the, yeah. the servers, you specifically need their contact info and who they are and so on. There's like a limited amount of restaurant owners, but there's an infinite amount of potential restaurant employees. And that's really the bigger list.
1: Yeah. If you go to anybody that owns a restaurant right now with a potential list of like a couple hundred people, their quality employees, they'll want access for sure. They wouldn't hesitate.
0: The first thing is to figure out like all the benefits that people on the list will get,
1: I was thinking like, I could work with wine suppliers a lot of people would want access to this list of people, you know, they would want to do like a wine tasting for all these people for free.
0: Oh yeah. So, so, so for instance, that's one of the benefits. Uh, let me just take a list of the benefits. So the, so the benefits is, you know, un- job opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise know about, um, you know, local re- re- local restaurant industry news, uh, that might be relevant to what they need, uh, wine suppliers, uh, doing special, uh, uh, events just for the list, uh, you know, teaching them about new wines. And I guess there's other things relating to that. Like, I don't know, maybe a restaurant pitching to all the servers, you know, uh, restaurant events, or maybe, um, how does the stimulus check relate to waiters who are part-time, you know, even news like that? Yeah. Is that something that?
1: Unemployment news.
0: Yeah. Unemployment news. I'll just make that one big category. What other stuff?
1: I mean, there is some value in like the community of servers.
0: Maybe anybody who's on the list gets access to a Facebook group that you only get on if you're on the email list.
1: Yeah. It's a little more exclusive than what exists right now. The exclusive is important. Yeah. There's so much bullshit on that Facebook page. It's like the Giving Kitchen Facebook page, which is where a lot of job postings go. But there's so much bullshit about like dive bars and areas that like 20 miles outside of Atlanta that you know, 99% of the people that are on there don't care about You have to scroll through all that, wade through that shit.
0: Right. And you can also say, look, no restaurant owners allowed. So people can kind of ask for advice. Like, what do you think of, I'm thinking of taking a job at this restaurant. The GM is so-and-so. Anybody have any info on him? Is he good or bad to work for? So, so in your letter, you can also talk about the benefits of the Facebook group as opposed to other Facebook groups.
1: And maybe access to emailing with me specifically.
0: Yeah. Access to, to you. Uh, you know, also the, one of the benefits of people, including others on here is that, you know, there's a lot of statistics that when you're looking for a job, your friends can not help you, but you, you get, you usually get a job from your friends of friends. So on LinkedIn, right. they've tracked this and across, you know, the billions of people on LinkedIn, it's your friends of friends that help you find jobs. So, yeah. you know, um, there's value, the bigger the list is the value that your, your, you could say this is your network. And so the bigger the list is, uh, the more likely it is that your friends, you know, somehow describe it so that the, the friends of friends thing, I don't know. Yeah, Knowing about new restaurants, opening up is very valuable because someone who's been a waiter for a long time and in lots of different roles might want to be a GM. So might want to contact owners early and pitch themselves as a GM. So local restaurant industry news that you're that you have access to and you have access to a lot might be interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another benefit that's good for them to put their friends to to get their friends involved in this. Like some sort of incentive. Make them feel like that they're proud to introduce their friends to an exclusive group that they're in. So it sort of like shows their friends they have status because they were asked to be in this exclusive group.
1: Do you think that it's smart to have like certain criteria?
0: Yeah, because then people will say, uh, then people will feel more status, and then they'll think of their friends specifically. You know, must have worked in the restaurant business at least. You know, must have done at least two different types of jobs at a restaurant, and then maybe they're they're happy to send this to their friends because it's like they're showing their friends, look, I'm exclusive, but I can also I also have the power to make you exclusive.
1: Maybe uh, the first certain amount of people that refer a certain amount of people, so like the first ten people that. Get ten people, ten other people to sign up. Get to be a part of the first wine supplier event. I'll set up a tasting for like ten people at some restaurant.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, you could say of you know, you guys are my, you know, you guys are the only. You could even say you guys are the only ten I'm um, picking um for to for the launch of of this. Uh, you're like you're you know you're the ones I thought of first when it, when I realized the restaurant industry in Atlanta, you, you know we all need as much help as we can get. And this will help. And this is like our uh, community, but the, and the first, I also trust you guys that, you know, 10 other people like you. So the first people to refer 10 others that sign up, I'll do a special wine tasting, something like that.
1: Right. I like having it be like a little bit of a race too, because it puts the time pressure on. And then you also get a lot, you know, maybe somebody else got six people. They didn't quite get to the 10, but you still get more than just 10 people.
0: Yeah, and then it's a little this is not quite appropriate for you but there's a technique or an app called King Sumo. And so let's say I'm building my list. I might say I'm giving away an Apple computer and you know an iPad or whatever. Everyone who signs yeah. up gets an entry into the lottery, but then you know you have a special code that if you if you forward that code and other people sign up because you're a referral, you get Five more, every person who signs up, you get five more entries into the lottery. And then right. everybody they re- refer who signs up gets the same. You know, if they refer people, then, you know, the initial person, it becomes like a multi level thing where, yeah. you know, they, they so it, that it goes viral very quickly that way because everybody wants five more entries and, and it goes on and on.
1: A multi level marketing raffle. Oh, yeah. Could-
0: yeah, and so so uh, there's an app called King Sumo. You should just check out how it works. It might not be quite appropriate to you because it feels a little too salesy at this point. And you're trying, you're you're saying, "Hey, I'm performing this service, and it's exclusive." But uh, you know, rather than kind of give too many, like, "Hey, you might win an iPad," which is not really relevant to any of this, you, you want you want to still keep the feeling that this is completely exclusive, but you still want to give them incentives to get other you know high end workers to sign right. up. So it's a balance in the middle, but it's just something to think about. And then yeah. need one more, um, benefit to get to 10, uh, one more
1: benefit. Okay.
0: What's another benefit uh, of, of signing on the list or referring people to sign up for the list? Is there anything they buy that as, as the list gets bigger, you can get discounts.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, wine keys you can get easily. Um, what's, a, what's a wine key. Like a wine opener. Oh, okay. Like one of those, I mean, not, it's not a huge thing, but, um, Do you need your own wine opener at a restaurant? Yeah. mm -hmm. Really?
0: A restaurant hires you to open wine and then you have to buy your own wine opener? Oh yeah. Why is that? I never knew that.
1: And you have to buy your own check, like, I mean, you have to buy a lot of stuff.
0: Wow. So, okay. So, Hey, you know, also we're trying to put together a buying group, you know, so we can get all these things cheaper.
1: No, I mean, I can get it for free. For these people, you can get a lot of shit for free if, if you know, I mean, there's big wine suppliers that pretty much have wine at every restaurant, like every big restaurant. You know, Gallo, for example, I mean, that's like their wine portfolio is worth billions of dollars, you know, Moet Hennessy. These people have a ton of money to spend and they don't even know how to access these people because they have to go through the wine managers at specific restaurants.
0: So what could be the benefit you offer people on the list? Can you get them also wine keys for free?
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And, and they can't currently get those.
1: I mean, they could, but they're, they can't get them individually. Cause they don't have the contacts like to the suppliers, their beverage managers could do it, but they most mostly don't do it. And so
0: uh, the people who make wine keys, are they competitive with each other? Like buy my wine key, not the others.
1: No, they want you to use their one key. Cause you think about, cause it, it's obviously it's going to be branded in some way. Um, but they don't really, I mean, that's just a service that they provide. Somebody decided that it was.
0: So basically you could say on this list that you have contacts with a lot of suppliers of all the things that we all need to buy to work at a restaurant. The bigger this group gets, the more opportunities I can get all these things for free for everybody on the list. Yeah. And that's good too, because then that gives you more connections to suppliers in the restaurant industry so that eventually you can monetize this list by saying, Hey, I'm only going to give out your wine key. It's going to cost you a thousand dollars a month for or $5,000 a month for me to send out all your wine keys to the, or offer your wine keys or a contest for your wine keys to the 10,000 people on my list.
1: Or I create a box that I send out to everybody on the list every month or something. And if you want access to the box, you can donate whatever.
0: Yeah. And that could also be an incentive, like to get people to sign up eventually is you get, you get access to the monthly restaurant box. So, okay. So yeah, I would think about doing this list this, this week, Jason's list, kind of like a Craigslist list or Angie's list, but it's about the restaurant industry. Maybe think of even more, um, benefits and incentives and then look at Substack. Um, think of the first 10 people and I would start with just 10 because if it doesn't, if nobody signs up, you know, you did something wrong that either the idea is bad or cause we don't know in advance, but either the idea is bad or the wording of your letter was bad or the incentives were wrong, the benefits were wrong, or there's something we weren't thinking of. So just right. try with 10, if it works with 10, you can send to 20 the next time. Nobody will lose the feeling of exclusivity because you'll still keep the criteria and then, you know, word the email send it to me so I could just check it out. I'm going to just write down on this list too. um, Something to think about principles of influence. And this comes from the book, Influence by Robert Cialdini. What are they? Uh, So reciprocity, which is, hey, I've all worked with you before. You've all provided value for me. So I want to provide value for you. Or, Or you say, look, I'm providing this value for you the one thing I ask and you could, it's okay to directly ask is that you share this with your friends who meet these criteria. And that would be, that would be great for all of us. So that's reciprocity. So you're doing something for them by offering them the opportunity to be on this list. So you're asking for one thing, which is, you know, and then liking is the second one. They have to like you. And, but you know, presumably you're going to send to people who already like you and know you and so on. But, um, you know the way you write the letter could increase your likability people could show that you're not in it for yourself and that you're thinking of everybody that you're that you're you're paying it forward and to some extent cuz you've had so many years experience in the restaurant industry and that shows that you're a likable guy and so the people who don't know you who maybe are forward to this list will say oh this seems like a good guy doing a good thing and yeah okay. i'd love to have access to this facebook group and and so on um, consistency is once you send this letter you know maybe the next day or the day after, you send another letter with a, a really good letter with some news, some opportunities, and whatever. So yeah. you know consistency is really important. So if the, if they forward your first letter to other people, then their brain says to themselves, "Hey, I'm the type of person who does things for Jason," and so they'll be consistent when you have other asks later on, and so they'll yeah. they'll continue to to respond. Uh, Unity is you give the impression that hey we're part of this tribe of, you know, people who are really dedicated to the restaurant industry, whether it doesn't matter if you're a waiter or a general manager or whatever, we're, we're committed to making the restaurant industry succeed and flourish and Atlanta needs us now. So that's, you're building a tribe and people yeah. like to feel like they're a tribe. So for instance, um, if I'm doing stand-up comedy and, uh, it's useful for me to say something in the beginning, like, you know, I'm so glad, you're all here. I know it's pouring rain outside, but we're the kind of people who rain doesn't stop us from laughing. And so now we created one big tribe. And right. then they're then they're more inclined to be on in my tribe and try to increase in status in my tribe by by doing by laughing, for instance, in a comedy scenario. Um, authority. Everyone's going to know you at first, but you could say, for those who who don't know me, you know, I've had this job, this job, this job. I've been working in the industry for 15 years, and I'm really dedicated to saying. You know, I've been part of the Atlanta restaurant scene for a long time and, you know, that establishes your authority in the, in the industry. So people wanna team up with you or be on this list because they want, like you said, access to you, even if they don't know you because you're an authority in this space. Social proof is is kind of the same as testimonials from regular people, from the, from the type of people you're sending the email to. So you might not have a place for that here, but like a social proof might be like, you know, this one guy I worked with, uh, Jack Z uh uh said, Oh, it's great to work with um, you know, Jason. But you know what you could do? You could link to, you know, for those who don't know me, you could link to my LinkedIn um profile and probably on your LinkedIn there's some testimonials. I don't know. I'm not good at LinkedIn, but Okay. Is there any is there any website you're on where people could kind of check you out? Like if you don't know who I am, check me out here. Not really. To okay. Be Are you on LinkedIn, by the way? I'm just curious.
1: I am on LinkedIn, but I I don't think I've even updated it since.
0: You might want to update it anyway. Yeah, I should. You could say, if you don't know who I am, you could check out my, you know, all the places I've worked at on LinkedIn, you know, so this way it's not like you bragging or anything. You never want to brag at the moment that you're asking for something. So you could just refer people, check out more about me on my LinkedIn page. You don't even have to say, here, my endorsements are there. They'll see it anyway. The next thing is, scarcity uh which is people need to feel that this is exclusive so one way people do this is like i'm only opening this a few spots for three days but that feels like a little bullshitty but i think just the exclusiveness the uniqueness of this and the exclusiveness of the facebook group shows that this is a scarce opportunity So just in general, we're thinking about a couple of spokes. One is the general manager position. The other is you could try out your ideas about connect the order system with the reservation system. Jason's list, which just kind of helps solve the hiring problem, but may have other opportunities. And, you know, one thing we haven't spoken about is a newsletter for restaurant owners, but maybe that could, building the email list is kind of a first step towards that anyway. So, yeah, um, that's good for that. and. What are some of the other, we spoke about coaching restaurant owners. Um, yeah. but I think maybe trying out some stuff manually first is good. Yeah. Uh, owning what, restaurants, owning restaurants. Yeah. So I think it depends on what, what you what you decide your next thing is. Yeah. Whether you're going to be in Atlanta or New York, cause then you could start scoping out like locations. You know, there's probably a lot of restaurant spaces that don't have anybody running it. So you could probably go to landlords and say, Hey, you've got this space that was just abandoned by a pizza restaurant or a nice restaurant. And you're not going to be able to rent this to a Lululemon. Like it's set up to be a restaurant and no restaurants are starting up right now. Cause they're all afraid Georgia's going to shut down again, or New York's going to shut down again. How about you let me, you know, fix up this space, uh, and, uh, run a restaurant here for, a couple of weeks and if it works out, I'll start paying rent. So there might be actually special opportunities for right now in particular for starting a restaurant, but it depends on where you decide to end up.
1: The only tough part about that is all the laws about selling food. Mm. So there's a lot, kind of a lot that goes into like, even if it's an existing kitchen, you have to get it checked out by the fire department. You know, if you're getting a food permit for a new business, what about a cloud kitchen? I think the same is true. I mean, I love the idea of a cloud kitchen. I and mean, I can't believe any, there's any restaurants that would do a restaurant without having that at this point.
0: Yeah. And so have you ever checked out uh, the website cloudkitchens.com? No, I have not. Okay, and that was this is started. Let me just make sure this is the one. But this is started uh so funny, they don't say who it's started by, I don't think, but it's started by the founder of Uber. And maybe, oh, really? maybe because he got some bad press from harassing women he he doesn't put his name on it but it's well funded It's started by uber and it gives you everything you need to know about cloud kitchens and then let me see you know i've never really I remember once reading the story of angie's list
1: yeah i've re- I heard about that too uh,
0: yeah and she's i don't really remember it though
1: angie's list is the one where it's all like the different types of professionals like Carpet cleaners, that kind
0: of thing. I think so, yeah. Um, and now they're just on a platform. They're not a list. And even reading the story of Craig at Craigslist is interesting. He started off him sending just events, local events in San Francisco. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then uh, both the chefs are talking, both the owners of the two restaurants in New York and in Atlanta are talking about starting new restaurants soon as well.
0: Yeah. And that might lead to opportunities for owning. Right. If you could partner with them. Right. And then, you know, it'd be interesting. It might not be your thing, but it'd be interesting to do a podcast where you interview owners and then that builds your network with all the owners in an area, just something to think about. I don't think you should, I think that's a lot of work and you shouldn't do it right now, but
1: I do like that idea. I've always podcasts to me are like way more interesting than trying to like have a huge social media following like that part of it feels more natural to me than like having a big Twitter following or something. You yeah. Know? Like I could see why somebody would be interested in an interview that I was doing. I don't quite see why somebody would be interested in like short little blurbs about me or not blurbs about me, but whatever people write on Twitter.
0: So right now I have as spokes podcast, Jason's list, uh, GM job, order slash reservation stuff, kind of experimenting with that. Later is like either coaching or ownership or Cloud Kitchen. It's also a high-end newsletter for restaurant owners, and then what other
1: spokes have we? I think for restaurant owners and then or owners and then beverage managers. Uh yeah, and event events also maybe is a good one right now.
0: Oh yeah, because also for people, I for the people who want jobs, even if they have a job, be doing an event for a weekend might be good money.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the other thing too that I was thinking about recently mm-hmm. was. The demand at places are like, is varying a lot right now. So like, and this is more true than ever before, I would say. So a lot of places are closed on Sundays and Mondays. Mm -hmm. And they did that when COVID started. Um, They were like, okay, we're gonna go, You know, maybe we were seven days a week, we're gonna start closing on Mondays. Maybe we were six days a week, now we're gonna close on Sundays and Mondays. And everybody made the same decision to close Sunday and Monday. So now those are like the two, any restaurant that's open, Those are like two of the most busy days.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: And Friday and Saturday, every single restaurant is open. Yes, there's still busy days because that's when the most people want to go out to eat. Um, but I would say for restaurants that are open on Mondays, they're busier than any other restaurant on a Thursday. So why, you know, why aren't the best if if I'm the best server in Atlanta, I should be working Friday, Saturday at the busiest restaurant in Atlanta. I should be working Sunday, Monday at the busiest restaurants on those days in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. So what, so, so what does this fit into? This fits into definitely like Jason's list, which is, you, yeah. could, you know, here are people looking for, here are restaurants open Monday where, uh, here's why I think you should work here. Here's why you um, they're good and, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but that's also good for, all of these spokes eventually, like just this, ex- all this extra knowledge, like you should almost have a notebook where you like write down like all these tidbits of knowledge that you have yeah. that maybe other people don't have.
1: I write some of it down in in my notes. Um, I had a lot of it written down on my old computer that died and need to see if I can recover any of that.
0: What's another problem that restaurants have like, do restaurants ever have a hard time disposing of waste?
1: I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get the grease traps cleared, and then... It's a problem for me. There's no, like, recycling being done.
0: Uh, restaurants don't recycle? No.
1: Would they Even, like to, or, or they don't conscious care? conscious ones, I don't think they really care. Yeah. Like, it's weird that the restaurant I'm working at now, they should recycle. Like, just the ethos of that restaurant, and, like, the neighborhood that we're in, and the people that come in, like, everybody would like it if we did it but it's just so hard to do. There's no solution for it. But I don't know if there's like a real, real demand for it either.
0: You know, we also talked about like, what's the best timing for each restaurant on, you know, when to sit people, what to do. And that's, I guess, another experiment you can do when you're a a, a GM or working at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, so not only kind of increasing the ticket value, but also increasing the the revenues per hour by optimizing seating.
1: Yeah. And, The other thing that's interesting too, that's more that's a problem now that I I recognize recently was the balance of to-go food and in restaurant dining are currently doing like to-go food until six o'clock, right? And then we don't really seat our restaurant until six o'clock because we're working on the to-go food. We have a few tables come in at five thirty and five forty-five, but not really. We mostly wait until the to-go food is done. And then we shut off to go food until the later portion of the night, or if we're slow, we'll turn it back on. What I realized though, was if a table sit, like, let's say you come in and sit down, you know, you're on a date. I go over, I offer you water. I go get your water. I offer you cocktails. You order some cocktails, go get your cocktails, right? Mm-hmm. Bring them over to you. I tell you about our specials, come back over. That whole process takes like 15, 20 minutes. And then I put your order in. And then the food's still not out. So that whole time, the kitchen could have been preparing to-go food. Or more importantly, we could have been seating the restaurant earlier. I think a lot of people are making that mistake. Like, you get a to-go order, and that food's in right then. There's a delay, though, of when somebody sits down and when the actual order comes in.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. So all these things are like, under the category of best practices. So best practices for, uh, to go food, best practices for seating management, pricing strategies, like, you know, maybe though, maybe Monday, the restaurants that are open on Mondays should charge more per item on Mondays if they can.
1: Right. Um, and efficiency, I mean, just in general, like,
0: and then I wonder if there's any research on menu design, like how to design a menu to there's a
1: shitload of research on menu design.
0: And do restaurant owners pay attention to that?
1: Absolutely not. But there's also not, (laughs) I don't know if there's good research on it.
0: Yeah. Let me see. Uh,
1: there's all sorts of weird things. Like you sell 50% more desserts. If you try to sell it at the beginning of the meal, like there's really weird stuff like that.
0: Wait, say that last one again.
1: If you try to sell a dessert at the beginning of the meal, rather than at the end, you'll sell 50% more desserts.
0: Oh my God. That's interesting. Yeah. Here's some uh, research report from Georgia state university, the psychology of menu design, reinvent your silent salesperson to increase check averages and guest loyalty. I'm going to send that to you. So some of these things, I'm just throwing these under spokes, but I feel like there's also one spoke, which combines all of them, which is you design a course or a coaching system for restaurant owners but restaurant owners are probably cheap about what they're going to pay for a consultant to help them i don't know so That's- cheap
1: and they also think they're the smartest people in the world
0: you know what though it reminds you of you know that tv show bar rescue yeah john toffer
1: yeah i really like him
0: he, wa- he once was going to come on my podcast and for some reason i canceled it but uh it's almost like you could do something like a uh, restaurant rescue is a potential spoke. Like, you know, all these things and particularly once you test them out a little bit, you might be able to pitch a show.
1: I mean, I, I actually, like, I don't love his, like the dramatic nature that he has where he's just like yelling at people, but he has a lot of really smart ideas.
0: Right, but no, you could have a whole different approach. Like you, you know, you have this look with the bun and the beer. You could be like the restaurant guru you know, or, or something like that. So you have a, 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 a different, and that could either be a podcast or, or well, TV works, works better visually. You might even be able to do it as a YouTube channel. Like, you know, every month you just break down one restaurant. You know what you could do? You could first couple, you could do for free and then make excellent produced videos, and then see how that blossoms. Like it might be then restaurant owners start calling you, hey, feature me, feature me. And then everybody who's in the restaurant business, you might get tons of, you need need consistency. Like, so you need to do probably like 10 videos to see how it's doing. But this next week or so, I think I would think about this email list.
1: Just mold me however you see fit.